Hi folks, this is Ron Longwell, and I'm glad you're here today for another edition or episode or <laughs> installment of the Jesus Society podcast, a conversation exploring relationship, renewal, and purpose in the kingdom of God. Uh, this is episode 25 of the Jesus Society podcast. It will air on, when will it air? The, the 10th, I think. Yes, Monday the 10th. I've lost track of days. I've, I've spent the. Um, I took a took a few days off this week. Um, I uh, I had a little little bit of time that I could uh, just play a little bit. So my t- my son and I have spent the last two days fishing, and um, the you know what the problem is with spending two days fishing. You want to spend three days fishing. <laughs> so. In my head, I'm still out on the water today, but um, but I'm back uh, in the uh, in the spacious Jesus Society studios, or as I called them last week, I think the Longwell Skunk Works. Um, my son, who does the audio for this, he heard he heard that when he was doing the doing the post production for the for the podcast. He said, "What the heck is a Skunk Works?" <laughs> so I told him to look it up. Anyway. This is my little uh, this is my little area here where I do lots of things. So, um, so it's been a good week for me. I've uh, I've had some time to relax and think and and spend some time with my son, which I I don't get to do as much as I used to be able to, and I I uh, I thoroughly enjoy it. Uh, I'll say something else today. Uh, today is August sixth, and today is our. 26th anniversary. My wife and I have been married 26 years uh, today. So she has put up with me now for 26 years. Um, she is um, she is my uh, God has blessed me a lot in my life um, in in a lot of different ways. But I still regard her as my greatest blessing in life, uh, apart from my relationship with God. Um, she has been an absolute um, godsend to me. And um, I'm I'm not worthy, <laughs> but I love her dearly. So we're going to have a nice night out tonight. I'm taking her out to dinner, and uh, we're just going to enjoy some time together there. So it's been a good week for me. Um, so today um, I'm gonna I'm gonna introduce um, what I think we're going to be talking about for the next few weeks together on the podcast, and. Um, I was going to just jump into it headlong today. Um, hang on a minute. I'm going to move this microphone a little farther away. Um, I, I was just going to jump into the the, pod, the 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 subject headlong and just go for it. But instead, I decided I'm just going to introduce it today. And I'm doing that for a couple of reasons. First, because the last three episodes have been unusually long. And I know that. And I, I don't really want them to always be that long um, and so this episode is going to be shorter and I want to give everybody a little bit of a break today. Um, so my friend Eddie, who listens to this while he mows, you can mow faster this week. <laughs> um, I'm still not going to help you mow, but you know, you can move faster. Um, but the second reason I'm doing this is because there, there is a story in the new Testament that I think introduces this subject they're going to be we're going to be talking about beautifully, and that is the story of the woman at the well in John chapter four. So we're going to kind of walk through that story today, 
and notice some things about Jesus' interaction with this woman, what he does with her, what he does for her. Um, and there's some there's some things I want to tease out of this story that, that we don't often pull out of this story, I, I don't think. Um, and we're going to pay a t- particular attention as we as we kind of move through this story to who this woman is, what her life has been like up to this point, the the baggage that she has probably been carrying around, and some of the ways in which she's been coping with that baggage, um, so that she could just survive and function in in her society, and how Jesus sets her free from all that, and that is the subject that we're going to be exploring in the weeks ahead, freedom. Um, Terry Wardle says, the key to life is not living for Jesus. Rather, it is found in Jesus living through us. And I think that's true. Um, we We have said time and again in this podcast, Jesus wants to transform us all into agents of blessing in God's good world. Now, he loves us as we are. His his love for us is not dependent on anything we do for him, but he wants us to extend the love that he has shown us to this world around us. Um, he wants, to, but the, but in order for us to do that, we need to be different people, because we're not always the 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 loving agents of blessing, at least when we start out on this journey with Jesus that he wants us to be. So he needs to transform us. And that really is the key word, transform. Because again, on the front end of our journey with God, some of us are, well, none of us are very Christ-like. We've just lived too long in the world. We've had all sorts of influences that are not God. Um, we've been hurt. We have, we have, and because we've been hurt, we've we've developed some coping mechanisms to keep from getting hurt again. Um, we've picked up a lot of junk, um, and, and all those things affect the way we think about ourselves and the way we think about others and the way we treat ourselves and the way we treat others. And our, our hearts have figured out very clever ways of hiding from the truth. And, and in a very real way, we're in bondage to those things, and we cannot enjoy the life that God wants us to live, living loved, living free in his love until we get rid of that, some of that bondage, okay? Um, and so Jesus wants to set us free from, from, from a lot of that, um, the, the broken ways of thinking and behaving that keep us so bound up. So in the weeks ahead, we're going to talk about some of the ways in which, in which we really are broken and in bondage, um, the, the way the ways in which we interact with the world around us that are really unhealthy and and just keep us held back from um, enjoying the relationships God wants us to have and being being able to extend that blessing and love um, that Jesus has given us to the rest of the world. Um, so we're going to talk about all that. Um, and how God wants to help us get that stuff out into the light where it can be named and dealt with, okay? Um, the, the, the sun is a beautiful disinfectant, you know? So getting things out into the open 
is really a healthy thing. Okay, so and I think that this story of the woman at the well in John four is the perfect place to begin that journey. It's not the only place, but I think it's a pretty good place. So, in John chapter four, Jesus has a remarkable encounter with an unnamed woman from Samaria. And uh, we're not going to read the whole story uh, today. I, I would encourage you to read John chapter 4, 1 through 42, 42 get the whole story in mind. Um, we'll be reading bits and pieces of it. Um, but um, as we'll see, this woman, she is a broken outcast. And she is in need of some deep inner healing. Okay, so the story starts out with Jesus on his way from uh, Judea to Galilee. So he's moving from the south to the north through, uh, through Israel, okay? And the most direct route will take Jesus through Samaria. Now, you need to know something about Samaria. There were tensions between the Jews and the Samaritans. Uh, even though they were closely related, and and we could we could get way off in the weeds talking about all the history of Samaria and and the Samaritans and and all that, and we're not going to do that. Um, that would just kind of bog us down, I think. But the main point of all this is that that that's important for the story is that the Jews regarded the Samaritans as unclean. There was there was real tension, um, and and you'll see that coming out in this in this story. Um, the Jews regarded the Samaritans as uh, unclean, and so real strict Jews would have walked around Samaria to get to Galilee, to just to avoid being exposed to any kind of uncleanness. Jesus walks right on through, but but you're going to see this this tension play out in this interaction that Jesus has with his woman. So he he gets to a town called Sychar. And Jesus was tired, so he sits down by Jacob's well, which is on the outskirts of the town. Um, incidentally, Jacob's well was, was probably the deepest well in all of Palestine. Today, it is over 100 feet deep, and it was probably deeper in Jesus' time. There was a, they, they sort of excavated it, and um, it, it, was, it had gotten filled up with trash at some point, and they, they pull, pulled all the trash out, and it's now a functioning well again, and it's very, very deep. Um, it would it was a bit it's a bit of an engineering marvel um, to to have to have constructed it the way they did, but nonetheless um, it's about lunchtime we're told um, and um, Jesus gets into town and he sits down by the well he's tired uh, he he wants a drink we're going to see and his disciples go on into town to to get some food they're hungry um, they don't. They haven't carried any food with them. So they go into town to get the food. Jesus is sitting by the well in the heat of the day all by himself. And then this woman shows up to draw some water. Now, again, it's it's noon. Um, women don't usually draw water at noon in the heat of the day. Um, in Genesis 24, verse 11, it says that the woman there went, went out to draw water in the evening. Now, that was a long time before Jesus' day. So, um, you know, just because something happened a thousand years earlier doesn't mean it's still happening today, right? We, we got to be, be reasonable in how we do stuff like this. 
But normal practice was you, you go out at night or maybe in the morning when it's not so hot and you because you're carrying water. Water is heavy. It's like uh, eight pounds to the gallon, I think, is the is the weight of water. So you know, if you're carrying water for a whole family, you're like you're doing a bit of work. You don't do that at noon in in the in the heat. You do that early in the morning or late at night. Um, but she shows up at noon, and that's telling, I think. Um, the the question we should ask is why is she coming at noon? Clearly, there's no other. There's nobody else there drawing water from the story, right? It's just her and Jesus all alone. Okay, um, she is coming at noon because that is a time when the other women were not likely to be there. So again, why? Why is she there? Why does a woman avoid other women? The answer, as we're going to see, is shame. So in verse seven, she comes to, to draw water. Jesus asks her for a drink, and she is she is flummoxed. Yes, that's a word, flummoxed. Um, she's shocked because she's a she's a Samaritan and Jesus is a Jew. She knows that, like if you can tell, right? And she knows about the tension. And so she says to Jesus, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? So not only is she a Samaritan, she's a woman. Um, and we're told that Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Okay, so there's conflict there. Jesus says this to her. He says, well, if you knew the gift of God... And who it is that's asking you for a drink, you would ask me, and I would give you living water. And she has no idea what in the world he's talking about. (laughs) So Jesus says in verses 13 and 14, everyone who drinks from this water will get thirsty again, but whoever drinks from the water that I will give him will never get thirsty again. In fact, the water I will give him will become a well of water springing up in him for eternal life. So don't miss this here. Everything Jesus wants to do for this woman will take place within her own heart. He wants to give her living water that will become in her a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So Jesus wants to put something very special that he calls living water inside her where it will do some good. Well, the woman says, gee, you know, that'd be nice. Uh, I'd love I'd love some kind of water that doesn't run out. I'd love not to have to come out here every day in the hot sun for water. Bring it on. Sorry, coffee. Well, then we come to the point that I think is the most important point in this story. This is the pivotal moment. This is is where the music stops in this story. They're having this little dialogue about water and and everything's fine. and, And then Jesus says in verse 16, go call your husband and come back here. And I always... I always imagine, as I, as I try to picture this scene playing out, I always imagine that at this point in the story, uh, 
The woman hangs her head, shrugs her shoulders, slouches a little bit, and replies to Jesus in words that are barely audible. I have no husband. She admits. Well, of course, Jesus already knows this, and he knows more. He says, you're right in saying that you have, ha- that you have no husband. And I imagine he says this very gently, right? In truth, he says, you have had five husbands, and the man you're now with won't even give you his name. And now we are at the heart of this woman's existence, which is always where Jesus is headed with us. Used, broken, filled with shame and regret, maybe abused and looked down on by her peers. This is where this woman lives every day. And this is why she's coming to draw water at a time when she knows no other women are going to be there. Because she's embarrassed. And they probably don't treat her very well because they know who she is, right? And she does this every day. These parts of this woman, okay, the the parts of her that are filled with shame and regret and brokenness and embarrassment and all this stuff, these are the parts of this woman that are most in need of redemption. And they are, every single one of them, they are heart issues. Well, the woman responds to Jesus in the way most of us respond when our tender, fragile, wounded hearts face exposure. She changes the subject, diverting Jesus like she'd learned to divert others from the issue that is most true about herself. So she says, well, let's talk about the mechanics of worship <laughs> in verse 19. That's my translation. Some say, you know, we're to worship here or, or in this way, and, and others say, well, we're to, we're to worship over there or in that way. How often do we try to avoid intimacy by diverting ourselves and others into tiresome discussions about church mechanics or minutiae or politics, or almost anything else than that which is most true about ourselves. And notice how Jesus responds to to this little diversionary tactic. This is really, really important. So don't miss this. Don't miss this at all. Remarkably, perhaps, at, at least by our standards, Jesus does not force his way in. Jesus never does that. He will never force his way into a heart that has not invited him in. But he does begin to talk about truth. He's going to steer this conversation back around. God desires worshipers who engage him in spirit and truth. Now, what does that mean? Well, he, he desires worshipers who engage him in spirit. So in other words, passionately, eagerly, 
and with joy. People who want to worship him, okay? Worship in spirit and in truth. What does truth mean? It means when you come to Jesus in worship, you come to him wide open, coming clean about who you are, about your brokenness, about your fears, about your hurt, about your failures. There's no place for um, pretending when you're in front of the throne. You come bearing it all. You come in honesty and openness. You come in truth. Jesus wants people who are, who are eager to, to be involved with him and who are honest about who they are. That's what he tells this woman. So, so why, why are these things so important to God? Because these things, eagerness and openness, are the basis of relationship, any relationship. God desires worshipers who come to him as they are, hiding nothing and inviting him into their life, into the pain, into the truth. And that is the way every good relationship works. Um, you know, I, have, I, have, uh, I haven't said this in this podcast before, but one of the things as a young man that frustrated me to no end was, you know, you're trying to, the, the, the whole dating scene, right, which is maddening. And you play the, you, you know, you're trying to find a, you're trying to find a wife, or you're trying to find a husband. You play these little stupid games, you know. You're always putting your best foot forward. You're always hiding the parts of yourself that that you're most embarrassed or ashamed about, and and you're and you're trying to guess who the other person really is, you know. And you don't talk about it. <laughs> you just you spend time together and you and you try to guess, and it's maddening. And both of you are hiding who you really are because you're afraid if they knew really who I was, it would scare them away. But that's not the way you develop real relationship. The way you develop real relationship is by openness and honesty and eagerness. Because if, because if someone doesn't accept you the way you are, it's not... It's like... They're going to find out later, right? <laughs> you know, if you marry this person, they're going to figure it out. You don't keep that stuff hidden forever. And now they they have to deal with something that they didn't know about, right? But if somebody, but if you're open and you're honest about who you are and 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 all the all the vulnerabilities and stuff, and we're going to get into all this in the in the weeks ahead, and they love you anyway, that's real. That's a real relationship, okay? So that's what God wants. God doesn't, like we could, like we could hide anything from God anyway, right? We, we can't. He knows, he knows everything before we even speak it. But he wants people who come to him because they're eager to, because they're excited to. They're passionate about it. They're joyous about coming into relationship with him. And they're honest about who they are. Spirit and truth. God wants worshipers who come to him as they are, hiding nothing and inviting him into their life, into the pain, into the truth. So then for a second time, this woman tries to divert him. <laughs> Verse 25. Uh, ironically, this time talking about the Messiah. Well, when he comes, you know, he'll, he'll help us with all that stuff, that worship stuff. 
And Jesus must have smiled at that point. Because in verse 26, he says, in essence, I'm here. It's happening. Here. Now. And with you. And that does it for this woman. Off she runs to go tell the rest of the town. And her message to the rest of the town is so very telling. She doesn't say to the town, well, come see the Messiah. We found the Messiah. She doesn't say, come see this great prophet or, or come and get all your cosmic questions answered. You know, she doesn't say any of that nonsense. She says to the town, verse 29, come see the one who knows me, who really knows me. He knows everything I have ever done. And she doesn't say it, but I'm, I'm sure she feels it. And he loves me anyway. That well of living water within her isn't just for other people, good people, perfect people, as if there were any perfect people. It is for this woman and people like her, people like you and people like me. Healing is, is free and abundant, but it is only accessible when we lay our hearts bare before the Lord and dialogue with him about what we find there. The truth is that your heart is Jesus' favorite venue of activity. The most important factors in a relationship with God are eagerness and honesty. And when we approach him that way, and only when we approach him that way, he begins to work. Only then can he start to untwist all the twisted places within us, the, the twisted little loyalties and allegiances that we all have. The kingdom of God does not allow us to hide or to pretend because those things are lies and the kingdom is all about truth. In the same way that Adam and Eve hid behind fig leaves and excuses when they realized that they had sinned, we hide behind all kinds of things to keep others, even God, from seeing us as we really are. And we've gotten so good at hiding and defending ourselves that we often end up hiding even from ourselves, and we don't even realize it. And that is bondage, folks. And it is bondage Jesus wants to free us from. C.S. Lewis, in the Narnia Chronicles, which ought to be read to every child, in one of the volumes called The Dawn Treader, there's a little boy named Eustace. And Eustace is a young brat. Well, he finds himself in a, in a dragon's cave full of treasure. And in his heart are dragonish thoughts, selfish, self-centered. Well, he tries on the crowns and he tries on the rings and he tries on the bracelets and, and there's one he likes in particular, so he puts it on. And then he lays down and he falls asleep in there, in that cave. And when he wakes up, he discovers that he has become a dragon. What he was on the inside now shows all over him. And the bracelet that fit him once is now so tight that the pain is going straight to his heart 
And he cries out, and it's a, it's a dragon cry. And eventually, in the story, he goes to see the lion, Aslan, the lion of the tribe of Judah. And the lion says, well, of course I can heal you, but it's going to hurt. Well, the boy doesn't want to, he doesn't want to be hurt, so he goes and he tries to wash it off himself, and he washes in a pool and the, the skin comes off, but there's a, another layer one underneath. And he, and he washes it again, and, and that one layer comes off, but there's another one underneath, underneath. And every time he washes, he only finds that there's a dragon underneath it all. And the lion finally says, do you really want cured? Well, he's afraid of the lion's claws, but the, but the pain of being a dragon is just too much. And so finally he says, do it. And Lewis tells us that the lion begins to tear him. And he, and he felt so much pain deep down into his soul, the, the, the claws of the lion just shredding that skin off him. But underneath, when the lion was all done, he was all fresh, all clean, brand new. And the lion gives him new clothes. C.S. Lewis was trying to tell us what Bible writers have been telling us from day one. There is no easy way to get rid of sin and brokenness. So that's where we're going to camp out for the next few weeks how to come to God and tell the truth about who we are because Jesus wants to free us from all of that. All the good things he wants to do in us and through us are bottlenecked because of the things we're in bondage to. Jesus wants to give us all a well springing up inside of us to eternal life, but we've got to want it and we've got to own up to what's inside of us. And we're going to help you start to walk through that beginning next week. And so with that, I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope you'll join us again next week. Uh, as always, we would appreciate it if you'd tell others about the podcast. Uh, if you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate us, review us on iTunes or, or wherever you go to get your podcast. Please visit our Facebook group for the Jesus Society podcast. Um, feel free to suggest topics for episodes, ask questions, share your own story about the how the Father is loving you and transforming you. And check out our website, thejesussociety.com. Thanks for listening, and remember, you are greatly loved.